Uh, and then when Ethereum came out, I was playing with it on Testnet. Uh, I was actually in the Blockchain U class. Uh, so again, lucky to be in the right place, right? In San Francisco, it's the right time. Uh, and got to meet Vitalik. He came in and presented to us and got to be early playing with uh, Ethereum even before it launched. Um, and it was really just kind of, it took me probably a year just to get my head around all the different things you could do with Ethereum. And I will say, I will admit when it first came out that I thought there was no way it would work. So like, I, I thought that like, there was no way a smart contract blockchain could work. Like I was a hundred percent sure. And I was wrong. Right. But I changed my mind because it was proven to me that I was, that I was wrong. And it took me a year. So I, I would say that I would have been in blockchain even earlier if I hadn't have been wrong and, and stubborn, if I had been more open-minded. So for people out there who think that, uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency is never going to be a big thing. I'll just tell you, I, I said I thought the exact same thing, but keep spending time on it. I think you will be convinced that it's the future. So, hello everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Rockstars of Ethereum a show about the journey and the amazing work people are doing in Ethereum and Web3 space as a whole, aka Rockstars of Ethereum. I'm Richa. And I'm Hush from Ethereum Hush Notification, notification service. service. This is try <laughs> number six <laughs> of yes. failing to synchronize, but go ahead, Richa. Awesome. Our guest today is bringing blockchain adoption to the world. He is unstoppable in bringing crypto domains, chat, and censorship-resistant websites. Please welcome none other than the founder of Unstoppable Domain, Matthew Gold. Hey, Matthew, how are you hey. doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. Very happy to be here. Awesome. Happy to have you, Matthew. Uh, so, yeah, before we start, Matt, uh, we basically tell people how we met our guest. Uh, and this is a very, very cool story, guys. So we met Matt uh, actually quite early on in our journey. Um, I remember uh, I wrote an article about game theory. And uh, over there, I just mentioned a tidbit that uh, I love playing Doom Eternal. And uh, yeah, the Unstoppable Domain basically uh, reached out to us and they said that they would love to talk about what we are building. And uh, Surprise, surprise, Matt also likes Doom. The 2016 one, though, not the Doom <laughs> But yeah, uh, um, of course, uh, apart from liking, uh, both of us liking Doom, we connected on a ton of stuff. Uh, and Matt has been awesome and has been helping us throughout. Uh, I mean, whether it's uh, coming up with our tagline, subscribe, notify, earn, uh, he basically came up with it. Uh, uh, whether it's helping us during seed and introducing to uh, awesome new investors or anything in between. I mean, we have always written an email to Matt and Matt has always come to the rescue. So, hey, awesome, Matt. Uh, really, really awesome to have you here. Uh, before getting started, uh, we would love you to uh, introduce yourself and tell us what you're doing currently. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, I just like to put it out there. If you are new to the space, I love helping genuine people trying to build things. Uh, and I saw that immediately in this team and very glad to see the progress that you guys have made. A little bit my, about myself. Uh, I'm 
founder and CEO of Unstoppable Domains. Uh, we build uh, domain names on the blockchain, uh, and we uh, envision these being digital IDs for your interactions on the internet in the future. Uh, we want to get a blockchain domain name into the hands of all 3 billion people on the planet. Uh, and that way we can affect global change in the way that everybody interacts online. And more of your life is moving digital. Uh, and so right now I spend about 50% of my time in front of a screen, if not 80%. And so we think it's fundamental to build all the, uh, the basic infrastructure and rails for people to be able to interact more easily with good UX um, on, uh, with blockchain. So we really think it's you know the next version of the internet, um, Web3. So that's a little bit about me and what we're building. Amazing. Uh, so Matt, uh, we would love to know like uh, what you were doing back like back in the past. So can you tell us something about what you were doing before Unstoppable Domain happened? Uh, yes. So uh, let's see how far back do we go here. Um, so I've always been very interested in uh, data statistics and analysis. Uh, in my prior career, prior to catching the uh, the blockchain bug, I actually uh, worked in academic research originally for uh, how uh, technology influences uh, policy in people's lives. And then I actually moved to San Francisco to work at startups at some point in that journey, um, worked for a company that did uh, marketing technology software. Uh, we actually went through Y Combinator uh, all the way back in 2011. I was one of the early employees there, um, built that company up to 50 plus people um, as director of operations um, and really learned how you build a software company uh, and, and all that goes into uh, making products that actually touch users. I think we ended up you know, doing over 100 million <laughs> different offers through the software that we uh, previously built. So during that time, I fell in love uh, with Bitcoin because if you were in San Francisco in 2011, 2012, 2013, Bitcoin was like the hot topic. Uh, and I got to meet people in real life using Bitcoin. And one of the hardest things was uh, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, which is on the eastern side of the United States, if you don't know, 1996 Olympics. Uh, and when I was there, it was hard to get into Bitcoin because you had to like buy it from a stranger on the internet with PayPal. And I went to the forums and I was reading about Bitcoin and I just could never get myself to like press the button because it just felt too sketchy, right? To uh, send somebody random on the internet my money. I'm like, I've seen this two stories too many times. But when I finally made the move uh, to San Francisco to work full time at this startup, um, heading their analytics department for this marketing startup, I got to go and meet people in person. And the very first meeting I went to, somebody gave me some Bitcoin on my phone. And that just shows you like these cryptocurrency communities are very open and supportive to new people. And that's the type of ethos we got to take coming forward because that's what got me on, uh, you know, 10 years ago, um, or I guess eight years ago in, into the space. So that that started my, my journey uh, on the way to um, eventually finding smart contract blockchains, which really made me excited because uh, I like direct consumer type companies and then eventually to the founding of unstoppable domains. Awesome. And that's like a really awesome story. Uh, so, like so many like things that you have sort of explored along the way. Uh, and so very inquisitive to know uh, how did you know the San Francisco startup to explore to sort of discovering blockchain and then to unstoppable domain. How did you come up with the idea and why the name Unstoppable, which is something that's always fascinated me. So I want to know that as well. Uh, so there's a, yeah, there's a lot of stories behind that. Uh, I'll start with the uh, transition first to uh, Bitcoin, which is really the starting place and then blockchain more generally. Uh, it, 
I think a lot of people have this story is that once you start going down the crypto rabbit hole, everything else becomes less interesting. And, you know, you start off slow and I was just doing it on the weekends with some friends of mine playing around with it. Uh, and then I, you know, I started running a Bitcoin node in my house. Uh, my roommate had a Bitcoin miner. Uh, one of the places that I lived in was one of the early places for crypto exchange. It was actually called Trade Hill and run by Jared Kenna. He was a very early Bitcoiner. Um, and there's just a lot in the air in San Francisco. Everyone was playing around with it. It was the thing you did on the weekend, right? Uh, so, and what kind of held me back from going full-time into the cryptocurrency space earlier is that I personally don't have a lot of interest in financial applications. Um, and, you know, people have different preferences. And uh, I actually had a lot of fun dealing with consumer products. And the startup I was working at, you know, uh, we made, you know, marketing campaigns directly for consumers. And I really liked, you know, that kind of UX, UI interaction. Um, and it wasn't till uh, Ethereum came out that there was these, you know, the smart contract blockchain where you could start building anything. And I just dug in. And I just remember my mind uh, being blown because I had been playing around with Bitcoin uh, since 2013. Um, I'd actually made some Bitcoin apps with some friends of mine. Uh, the one that I remember the most was a review app. And we were basically trying to be like Yelp, except verified, because if you send a cryptocurrency transaction with Bitcoin, you could also sign a message with the private key and leave a review. And so people knew it was you that had actually visited uh, that restaurant. I still think that's a great idea. Somebody should do that uh, at some point when cryptocurrency is more uh, more all around us. Right. But this is back when people were trying to buy Bitcoin with coffee. And I just remember how difficult that was to do on Bitcoin. Right. Uh, and then when Ethereum came out, I was playing with it on Testnet, um, I was actually in the Blockchain U class. Uh, so again, lucky to be in the right place, right? In San Francisco, it's all the right time. Uh, and got to meet Vitalik. He came in and presented to us and got to be early playing with uh, Ethereum even before it launched. Um, and it was really just kind of, it took me probably a year just to get my head around all the different things you could do with Ethereum. And I will say, I will admit when it first came out, that I thought there was no way it would work. So like, I, I thought that like, there was no way a smart contract blockchain could work. Like I was a hundred percent sure. And I was wrong. Right. But I changed my mind because it was proven to me that I was, that I was wrong. And it took me a year. So I, I would say that I would have been in blockchain even earlier if I hadn't have been wrong and, and stubborn, if I had been more open-minded. So for people out there who think that uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency is never going to be a big thing, I'll just tell you, I, I said, I thought the exact same thing, Keep spending time on it. I think you will be convinced that it's the future. Amazing. And, and how about the name Unstoppable? What, what was the push behind that? Okay, yeah. So uh, this is actually a great story. Um, and I think that more founders need to hear this. So the first name that we picked we just picked a name that was basically Ethereum domains, right? right? That was like what we were working on. And uh, that was like our working title. Um, and we just picked a name that described what our business was doing. Nothing very fancy or whatever. And we just said to ourselves, you know, we'll figure out what our name is going to be in the future. And then, you know, six months went by and we still hadn't picked a name yet. So I did what any uh, smart founder would do is I started a afternoon happy hour on Fridays. Right. And then I made everybody at the team, you, you spent one hour every week, at least one hour on Fridays. It was for as long as people were there and, and drinking and eating pizza, where I brought my laptop or my piece of paper into the place where we would go out to get drinks and we would just brainstorm. And we actually called it name storming. I'm not even kidding because we were complete nerds. And we would name storm for an hour and a half. And we wrote down hundreds of names. I mean, 
hundreds. Uh, and then you had to check and see if the .com was available uh, because you know that's where everyone on the internet uh, finds you. And so for people out there, if you're a founder and you don't have a name, First of all, uh, I would say it's probably not going to just come to you magically unless you're just a very creative person uh, and that hard work does pay off. So it took us about maybe three months of every Friday just going and coming up with names. And Ensemble Domains was our favorite out of that list. Uh, we thought it really um, captured the essence of crypto projects. You know, we want uh, we want crypto projects that uh, will, you know, exist and stand the test of time, uh, that they're, you know, and we wanted that feeling of impending, like it's definitely coming. Uh, and we want to communicate this to other users. And there's still a lot of other people out there who are unsure, right? Like they're like, Oh, is, is crypto going to be a thing? Is blockchain going to be a thing? And I just tell them it's unstoppable. Uh, and I thought that that was a good way to catch, uh, the feeling that we wanted to communicate to our users. So, and we have about 299 other names somewhere in a spreadsheet. Uh, so like, and there are a few of them that are probably as good as unstoppable on there, but this is the one that we ended up voting on as a team um, and coming to. So, you know, happy hour, you know, drinks, pizza uh, and effort, I think is how you get to a name if you're trying to start a company. Well, um, I want to start, a, uh, I want to start another company just because of that story. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can always just pick up a couple of names for for the next two or three. Yeah. Yep. So uh, uh, let's talk about uh, working. Uh, Happy Fridays. Uh, uh, are they still happening in Unstoppable Domain, uh, especially around COVID times? How do you guys manage right now? So we moved to a full remote team probably in twenty eighteen. So we were all in the same place co-located in 2017 because there were only uh, three or five of us, depending on where, when you were in that year. So there's not very many of us and we just all piled in the same place. But we actually made a decision early to be remote. And this is pre-pandemic. Um, and the truth is, is that different people on our team wanted to live in different places, right? And like one guy wanted to be in Miami and I wanted to be in Nevada. Another guy wanted to be in Southern California. One wanted to be in San Francisco. Um, and because everyone had a different place where they wanted to be, uh, we just thought, okay, let's embrace this thing and go remote. And this is back in 2018. We actually got a lot of resistance uh, from external sources. So we had, believe, you know, like there were other people who were telling us, hey, it's a bad idea. It's going to make it harder for you to get fundraising and all these other kinds of things. But we went with our gut and we chose what was best for our team at the time. Uh, and then we found that it had lots of uh, advantages. So being remote, uh, you could hire people from anywhere. And that's a huge thing. I think all these companies in the pandemic are now remote, but a lot of them are advertising that people are going to have to come back to work. I don't think they realize it, but their employees just aren't going to come back. Right? They're going to be like, they're going to be like, no, thanks. I'm going to work remote and you can have your company. And I don't want to be there anymore uh, because remote has really opened things up. So I think the world has changed now. Everybody's remote. Uh, and so now you're asking like, how do we connect as a team? I would say it's very challenging. Uh, we set up uh, sometimes every month where we get together as a team, you know, we have our quarterly reviews together as a team. Uh, we try to get more interaction at the local level. Like if you and three other people live in the same place, maybe you get together. We recently had, you know, a small meetup in London and a small meetup in New York because we have some of our sub teams there that we're able to get together, trying to encourage that more. Um, we just hit 60 people. So we're, we're starting to feel that kind of strain on building that 
community culture. Uh, and so we're working on making sure that that works as we grow. So I would say it's very hard. You have to be thoughtful about it, spend some time, spend some resources on it. Uh, we will be getting together as soon as uh, vaccines are more readily available globally. I think it's important for the team to all get into one place at least once, twice a year. Um, so that is on our to-do list. But right now, yeah, I'll admit it's uh, tough to keep team cohesion um, with purely remote teams. And there are great teams like Get. I think GitLab does it. Uh, and they're really inspiring. Like how do these people get to a thousand person organization and keeping everyone heading in the same direction, working on the right thing? Uh, you know, there's, I actually go and see what they do to be perfectly honest. I'm like, that's a good idea. We're going to do that. Um, and then we find it, but yeah, we're, we're working through it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and uh, Matt, you mentioned that uh, a few of the, your team members, they are working from UK, London. So how does uh, the team meetings uh, happen on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, I'm asking for my team, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, uh, so we try to do as much as possible asynchronously. I think that's a really big deal. We record a lot of things, which feels weird at first, uh, but we actually record interviews, right? Uh, not all of them, just, you know, cert certain interviews in order to make it easier to share with the other team members. Maybe they couldn't be there to be part of the interview process. We want to make that easier. Uh, we'll, we'll record meeting notes. We'll record, you know, important conversations. And we just post all these recordings in Slack. So we just use up a, a ton of bandwidth <laughs> on G Drive and Slack with all these videos that we're posting uh, and Discord as well. And like, that's fine. We're, we're just totally okay with that. So we try to use technology as best as we can uh, so that we can continue to work asynchronously. Taking good notes is very important. Uh, and then another, we have a slogan internally. It's called low bullshit, right? So, so uh, it's like, because if you say no bullshit, then people know that you're lying because that's not possible. There's always going to be a little bit of bullshit. So we just try to keep things low, uh, low bullshit is, is the term that we use. So internally, uh, we try to be very candid with each other. Uh, this helps with communication because communication is hard. Um, and then if you try to communicate within, without being direct, sometimes it makes it even harder. Um, so, you know, you try to separate that, that piece of, you know, delivering critical information from the person so they don't take it personally. That's just part of organizational training uh, in order to make communication well. I think a good place to think about this is if you're running an organization of larger people, uh, the way that they do it for airlines uh, and the air traffic controllers, they actually have a way that they talk to each other. And there's some really great podcasts and books about how that communication works. And as an engineering org, I think it's really like interesting how they do it. So if you just instill in the culture, we're going to be direct with each other, we're going to work asynchronously, and we're going to use these new technology tools. I think that's your best bet. Awesome. I love that analogy. Uh, <laughs> hey, traffic guys, learn from yeah. them. Yeah, because because you have to. I mean, you're you're directing these people all over the planet, moving different directions, and I think it feels very much like air traffic controllers. Awesome, awesome, amazing analogy, Matt. Uh, all right, uh, moving from work to unstoppable domain. Uh, tell us how uh, unstoppable domain actually work. Yes, so uh, unstoppable domains is a new generation of naming registries that are built on top of the blockchain. And this means that unlike traditional registries, there's no central owner of these registries or and their records. So right now on the internet, the way that I think about it was DNS was invented 30 years ago uh, and it hasn't changed in 30 years. So it's like the one core piece of architecture on the internet that has not been updated in three decades. Uh, and 
if you were to build a naming service from scratch today and, and you could start with any technology you would want to use, I think that most technologists, like 99.9%, would say, you know what? We should probably put this on a public blockchain. And the only reason they didn't do that in the 90s when they were rolling out DNS is because Satoshi Nakamoto had not invented blockchains yet. <laughs> so um, we saw this as like just a very interesting market opportunity where there was this new technology that allowed you to register digital assets. Everyone knows that you know about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all these tokens, those are digital assets. Well, domain names are also digital assets uh, in a way that is extremely secure and public that allows you to do lookups um, with a secure database. It's like having a public database that's also secure for, for lookups. To me, it just felt like um, the that blockchain-based uh, naming systems were are a drop-in next-generation improvement to traditional naming systems. A couple of things that are non-obvious about uh, blockchain domain name systems is that users have the private key in their personal wallet uh, for controlling uh, their domain names. And uh, this means that they have complete uh, permission control. So, so it's like user permission, which is a big thing for GDPR and other things uh, in Europe. And it's also completely owned uh, by that user and they can update it however they want uh, and then use it across any different applications that they want. So it's portable. So uh, unlike traditional DNS, where VeriSign owns.com and they have a standard for how the records should work, you know, it should be email, text, see name, this is how they look like. You have an open system where each individual user owns that domain name. They can use any open standard they want or even create their own for records and record management, allowing them to create a substantial number of new applications for naming services. So I would say that uh, right now, uh, traditional domain names are for businesses uh, and then blockchain domain, and there's about 300 million of them registered. Blockchain domain names are for consumers. I think there's gonna be 3 billion plus of them, just like there are 3 billion Facebook users. Uh, and instead of just using it for your website or for your email, you're gonna use it for hundreds of different um, uh, authorizations for applications um, throughout the entire uh, internet as you're, as you're surfing around. So that's kind of the idea. It's non-intuitive for a lot of people. It's not obvious, uh, but it, if you want to simplify it, just think there's a core piece of the internet. The naming system has not changed in 30 years. This is the next step function change in that technology. It's going to have 10 times more use cases and impact 10 times as many people. Got it. Makes sense. So if I have to explain it to a 60-year-old uh, grandpa, how would you explain that back uh, yeah, so I would say um, you can just tell them, hey, grandpa, uh, in the future, a lot of people are going to use digital currency, uh, and it's really too hard to send digital currency uh, to each other using these long hex addresses. So people are going to be using these blockchain domains to send crypto to each other in the future because it's a lot easier to remember one name, like Matt.crypto, and then you can send me my Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. Uh, EPNS token, whatever, to that one name than it is to copy paste uh, these hex addresses. And that's the simple use case for most people to take. And that would be the grandpa explanation. And if he still doesn't get it, just be like, did you know that when you go to google.com, it's actually an IP address back there. And that google.com is just mapping to an IP address. And what blockchain domain names are doing the exact same thing, except they're mapping to blockchain network addresses. Uh, so, you know, you've seen this before. Uh, it makes complete sense. 
everyone's eventually going to move over to the standard. The fact that they haven't already is just because the crypto space has grown faster than the tools and applications on top. So it's actually just because the growth has been explosive uh, that this is not already a de facto standard in the space. And I expect that to change in the next three years. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. And yeah, just, just a small correction for grandpa. It's not EPNS token, it's push tokens. And thanks for plugging in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No worries. All right. So uh, another question. Uh, I mean, unstoppable domains, we, we totally get... Uh, uh the creative use case uh, uh it has right now and uh, uh i mean the way you put it matt i can get that in the future you know new features will come in and unstoppable domain can basically act like an index or gateway to almost any technology because uh it's not uh, uh reliant uh, uh on standard rules as uh, dns but uh but yeah i I mean, uh, the question I want to ask is like, uh, what what does the future feature for unstoppable domains hold? Uh, well, uh, so if we take the very long view, I imagine you navigating your everyday life and interacting with different uh, parts of the internet, like uh, with your blockchain domain name. So for instance, a single sign-on is probably going to be one of the most used use cases. Uh, and then as you authorize into apps right now, you do this already. If you're, um, if you're a crypto user, if you use Ethereum and you trade on Uniswap, you're signing in with your wallet address, right? Using uh, one of the, whatever the wallet standard are that you're, you're working on. And the, the issue with that is that you cannot map it to uh, other resources that that uh, application may want to access. And so if you sign on and you're, uh, you have a domain name associated with that sign on, so it's associated back to that address uh, and in a reverse lookup fashion, then you can have all sorts of additional resources that that application could ask for. So what are some ideas what this could look like? You know, you could sign on to Uniswap and it could ping you and say, hey, uh, can you confirm your KYC for trading in the United States? Because we noticed that you're located there. And then you could sign a message and say, yes, you're allowed to look at it. And then they could get um, permission through an authorization protocol to check that KYC info to make sure that you're trading uh, following the rules in, in this country. Uh, another one is you could be on a healthcare website. And this is one that I like to use. Um, and let's say you need to pick up your prescription, right? And so the way that you could authenticate that you have a prescription is when you check out the doctor's office, you know, you scan your wallet, it um, it communicates through an authorization protocol, saves information about that prescription medication. And then when you go online, the site, you can sign in with your domain name again, and then they can permission access to uh, see your, your uh, doctor prescribed medication. And then they'll say, oh yes, this guy does have a prescription. Um, and like that one, that's going to take the longest because we all know healthcare is going to take a long time. But I like to say, it's probably going to happen for my pet first, right? So like my dog, Ollie, uh, I'll probably be able to go to the vet. And then when I scan Ollie out, I'll scan my phone, just like I do with Apple pay. And then I'll, um, you know, save some information about that visit. And then when I go to pick up his pet medication, wherever that is, <laughs> I can also scan my phone again, that will confirm uh, my access. So there's all these things in your life, where you have an interaction at one place, uh, on the internet or in real life, like at the doctor's office or, um, you know, concert tickets that you buy online. 
And then you need to take that information from that database and you need to move it over to another place in your life. Like when you go to the concert and you want to turn in your ticket where I need to go in to pick up my prescribed medication. And this is exactly what blockchains are for because you have this public database in the background. And we're just trying to build a, a, um, a coordinating function as a naming service to make it easier to do those um, associations. Um, and again, we just are really focused on that one thing is being that naming service because there's all sorts of applications and interactions on top of that, uh, you know, EPNS and push token being a great example of that, that, you know, we need not just uh, one or two teams to build th these types of interactions. We're going to need tens of thousands, if not millions of developers to come in here and help make the world just easier to interact with. I mean, if you can save everyone on the planet, uh, you know, a minute a day, you're saving millions of lives uh, every, you know, you're saving over a decade um, by, with that time. And I think that's huge. That's uh, fascinating, actually. Uh, just a glimpse of the future, guys. Uh, so, Matt, uh, if I have to get a crypto domain, uh, what do I have to do? Yes. So, um, I would say right now, it's super easy. You just go to our website, unstoppabledomains.com, do a search, find a domain name that you like, and then you can pick it up. And then I would also say that if you are, uh, if you are, active on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter. We actually just did a domain name giveaway like two weeks ago for uh, end users. Actually, I think it was last week. So pay attention there. You may get a chance to pick up a domain name uh, uh, for free so that you can start using the technology. Right now, uh, this technology is really for uh, hardcore uh, crypto people uh, because you know block gas fees are so high and there's all these other types of issues. We hope over the next 12 months to uh, fundamentally solve a lot of those problems so that we'll be able to drop prices significantly enough uh, for new users to come on. And I actually think you're going to end up getting a domain name as part of the wallet onboarding experience. So if you want to check it out today, unsoppledomains.com, go pick up a domain name, uh, drop in our Discord or Telegram and talk about, you know, we'll help you learn how you can get the most out of using your blockchain domain name uh, and then keep an eye out because I think we'll be coming to a wallet near you. Awesome. Nicely said, Matt. All right. So, I mean, the serious part of the interview is over, Matt. Uh, uh, let's move to the fun questions. Uh, Richa has already prepared like a lot of rapid fire questions for you, which okay. is one of the segments we have. But before that, I want to ask about the beverage you are drinking. It's, oh. <laughs> it, it, seems, it seems like right. a very cool beverage to have. Yes, this is my this is my personal addiction. So it's thumbs up for those who don't know. Uh, and you can find this on the subcontinent if you like to. I have to order it on Amazon special to get it here every month. Uh, but it's my personal addiction. So I try not to drink so much sugar. Try to stick with coffee. Uh, but I figured if I was on with you guys this morning, I would I would rep my my favorite uh, soda on the planet while we're at it. Yep, yep. I mean, I grew up drinking loads and loads of it. <laughs> it's got that. All right, bite. so. <laughs> Yep, yep. It's not Coke, it's not Pepsi. I mean, it's uh, kind of in the middle and it's amazing like how they got it, right? At least for a, par a major part of uh, the Indian subcontinent. So, yeah. 100%. All right, on to Richa and her uh, rapid fire questions. Yeah, so uh, Matt, like really quick questions. Uh, maybe you can take five to 10 seconds to answer them. Really simple ones. So I'll just get started with that. Uh, all right, the first one. Uh, if blockchain didn't exist, what you what would you be doing? 
Oh, I have no idea. So I'd probably still be working at a tech startup in San Francisco, something to do with uh, UX, either that or sitting on a beach. All right. <laughs> or also making your uh, the Bitcoin app that you were talking about, maybe that idea as well. Uh, yeah, but the, if blockchains didn't exist, I wouldn't be doing that either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no oh, other yeah. ideas. I only have blockchain <laughs> ideas. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, the obvious one, your favorite drink? Oh, uh, so, I mean, Thumbs Up is my favorite soda, right? Uh, my favorite juice is uh, grapefruit juice. And then my favorite everyday drink has to be coffee. And then my favorite beer, anything that's a sour. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of sours. So, and then I don't have a favorite wine because uh, I'm, not, I'm not fancy enough. And then I don't have a favorite liquor, although I'm starting, I'm starting to lean, uh, lean towards a couple of uh, bourbons, but I don't have a favorite yet. All right, awesome. That's a whole area of drinks now we know about you. Yeah, okay. perfect. Yeah. None of those none of those are my password, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so just for those out there listening, don't worry. <laughs> okay. If you were forced to open a bar, what would you name it? Mm, wow. Okay. Um, hmm. I'd probably go with DGENs, uh, just because I think that you know, you know, DeFi is in the in the air. And if I was to pick one right now, you know, the name would probably change in the future. Um, either either that or uh, non fungible memories or something like that. If I was going to go with it. Something very blockchain. Cool. Blockchain. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Yeah, this is actually from my dad. And it was from when I was younger and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think I was maybe 17 or 18. I think a lot of people go through this and I just had too many choices in my life. I didn't know what college I wanted to go to. You know, I didn't know if I wanted to go to college, I didn't know what I wanted to study. And he just sat me down and he said, just start doing things. Right. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, the best way is to just go do a bunch of stuff. He's like, if you can't figure it out, optimize your life for doing as much as you can. He's like, Monday through Sunday, do something every day, you know, 15 hours a day, just do something. And, and um, he told me that and it's had a huge impact because it helped me get rid of a lot of my anxiety. And I just, whenever I get anxious about something now, I'm like, well, let's try it. Right. And that's my, my reflex. Um, I think there's a movie about this. It's called Yes Man or something like that. Uh, and it came out much later, like after my dad gave me this advice. But I also, whenever I'm feeling depressed or something like that, I'll go and watch that movie. It's a ridiculous movie. It's not a very good movie. Um, but it's just a reminder that like life is really short. Don't be paralyzed by fear or doubt or any of these other things. You know, take, just take that chance. Uh, and the downside is a lot less than you think. And the upside is a lot more. That's amazing and such a wonderful piece of advice. Netflix uh, series that you're watching right now. Uh, I'm watching the new uh, Gotham series on, and I believe that's on Netflix. And then I just realized for the first time in my life that when you read it, when it com comes up on the screen, it actually looks like got ham, right? Like it looks not like Gotham. And so every time I watch this now, I'm just like, I feel like it's a really bad commercial for the pork industry, uh, which is, which is like funny to me, like my whole childhood, I never really thought about it, but Gotham, if you, you, you can't unsee it. Like if you think about it now, so that's the one that I'm currently watching. I also just finished uh, Bridgerton, right? Which is like, you, maybe you wouldn't think that I would watch Bridgerton. Uh, it's brilliant. The person who wrote that is actually, she's a genius, I think. So I watched that whole thing through. It was one of those things my wife had on the TV and I started watching. And then before you know it, I'm sitting there and I'm watching like 100% of the episodes all the way through. Um, so really enjoyed that one as well. Amazing. Uh, your favorite video game? Uh, so it's it's Doom. 
Uh, and then uh, there's another one, Smite. And I play Smite with my brother. And, but Doom is by far my favorite, but I still like the older versions more. So more people out there, uh, if you are interested, uh, hit me up. I love to play old Doom. Awesome. All right. So if you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would that be? So you know, chocolate is definitely on that list. Uh, I might include peanut butter on there uh, and bacon. So, so probably bacon and eggs and then some chocolate. If I had to, if I was held a gun to my, uh, um, gun to my head. Um, the other thing that people mention is like, what's the most practical food to eat every day for the rest of your life. And burrito was one. And so this is one of those conversations you have on happy hours, right? On Fridays for like, what would be a practical food to eat for the rest of your life? And we came up with burrito because with a burrito, you can put all sorts of stuff in it, right? So you could actually have like a burrito that has everything uh, that would be pretty healthy. So if I'm going for like health, probably burrito, which you're asking me my favorite foods, and you know, it's, it's bacon and eggs and chocolate. Those are the things on my list. Awesome, really cool. Okay, what are the unwritten rules of uh, where you work right now? Uh, so we're actually trying to write them down, like as of right now, like we're actually in the process of writing this down. And as you start working in bigger teams, it's important to kind of communicate these things in a way that everyone can go back, um, and reference it. So, uh, I guess one of the things that we have is that we're a duocracy. Uh, and what does that mean is that we really believe that each individual should be empowered to take action on what they think is the most valuable thing to work on at any given period in time. It's hard to do because you have to coordinate people, make sure people don't step on each other's toes. But the general rule is like, hey, if you think something really should be done, go ahead and get started, right? Uh, and then you bring other people in as you go along. And if it's a good idea, you should be able to convince two, three, or four other people. And then before long, it's going to be a part of the company. Um, it's going to be something that you contributed that's going to be with us forever. Uh, and we've had a lot of things that actually happen that way internally with the company. It'd be like, hey, I really want to build an NFT gallery. And that was something that we did recently. And someone on the team was like, I want to build this NFT gallery. And then he got like two or three other people excited about it. And then three weeks later, boom, we have that up. Um, and so that's the type of contribution we want, very entrepreneurial internally at Unstoppable. Very awesome and very collaborative. I mean, this is such a nice idea. Awesome. Uh, so lastly, if you have to pick a different name for Unstoppable Domains, what would it be? Uh, I'd probably just go with just Unstoppable. So <laughs> if we could just, if we could just get the, drop it and make it shorter, I would go with it. Um, we are actively going through uh, naming, uh, naming strategy internally, right? Because we're becoming much more global as a company. And one of the things that you don't think about, or at least I didn't think about when we were smaller, is how does your name translate into other languages? So Unsoftable translates well in a lot of countries, but there are some countries where there is no word for that, right? And so when you translate it, it becomes like nonstop, right? <laughs> or like, like they, so like, so like it like, it translates to like nonstop domains and people are like, what is that? That doesn't make any sense. Um, so we're trying to work around it. Uh, so this is new to me. I actually don't know what we would rename ourselves uh, if we had to, or if we're going to, uh, but it is something we're trying to be aware of. I mean, crypto is global in a way that I think people just don't, don't realize uh, because day one of your launch, you're going to be selling domain names in 30 countries, um, which is also interesting because here in the US, we have export controls. And so one of the first things I had to learn how to do was to not sell domain names to countries that have export restrictions like North Korea. Right? And this was like something like as a programmer, I never thought I would have to worry about in my entire life is like, I'm not, you know, so things like this are pretty interesting, but yeah, crypto is immediately global. Um, and so if you're thinking about names, I would say that's, uh, that's one of the things to take into consideration. Got it. Got it. 
Awesome. Uh, and last, so this is the last section of uh, the round. So you just have to tell me the first word that comes to your mind when I say the following. So blockchain domains. Freedom. <laughs> yep. Unstoppable. Um, relentless. Awesome. Doom. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Always. NFTs. Interesting. Thumbs up. Oh, yeah, delicious. <laughs> or how about taste the thunder? <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed that last one. Taste the thunder. That's oh, taste the thunder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. Bitcoin. Money. Yep. Uh, your top three projects of Ethereum. Um. Well, I mean, I think you have to credit the guys at the Ethereum Foundation themselves for uh, all the work that they do on that. And then I actually also am going to credit the node providers. So I actually like I'm a big fan of what the people at uh, Geeth are doing. I think they do a fantastic job. And then the guys building the libraries that most people depend on, uh, Web3 and Ethers.js. So I think those people are underrepresented because they do not have a consumer brand, uh, but I think that they are super important. And there are other uh, base layer infrastructure projects like that that are very big. And some of these are actually very small numbers of people. There's like literally less than a dozen people who are actively working on the big things like proof of stake. I mean, there's probably, you know, closer to 50 or hundred total in that, but there's like 12 people every day. Same thing with Keith. I mean, their team is probably less than five and I don't know how they do it. So yeah, I would love to give a shout out to, um, Geith, uh, the people working on the core protocol at Ethereum and ETH Research, uh, we've had, and then also uh, some of these library developers, uh, Web3 and Ethers.js. Amazing, wonderful. And finally, Matt, uh, what does Ethereum mean to you? It means it means so much. It's hard to put that in a sentence. Uh, I think if I had to simplify it down, I would say that I really believe it's the uh, it's the next part of the internet that's opening up. And uh, that it feels like it's a it feels like a new frontier. And I think that they titled one of their versions of Ethereum as Frontier version. I still feel like it's the frontier, um, and that you know I can't advertise it enough to people. We need to educate as many people as possible as quickly as possible about this new digital frontier. I think it brings a lot more uh, freedom, freedom of expression, uh, freedom to manage your own money, control over your lives um, across the whole planet, and at a speed that I think the only time we've experienced something like this before, um, before the internet came out was the printing press. And like the, the changes that we're having now in our society are gonna be that big with the internet plus blockchain and all these other digital technologies. Um, yeah, so that's hard for me to put in, in a sentence, but that's how I feel about Frontier if I had to pick a word. Well, that's really, really nicely put, Matt. No wonder you have a podcast of your own as well. You explain <laughs> it so well. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a simple plug for the podcast, please check us out. The Unstoppable Podcast, Matthew Gould and Diana Chen. Uh, that's my co-host. And uh, I think we've actually had Harsh on. So we'll probably have an upcoming podcast with you as well. Uh, and it's important to educate people. I think people really underestimate education is a big part of crypto. Uh, and, it you know, everyone needs to pitch in, even founders of these budding uh, companies need to get on and explain to people how this works because it's not intuitive. Yep. 100% agree. Um, 
well that's about it matt uh, thanks for being so awesome and taking the time out to come and be a rockstar with us uh, till next time guys stay awesome